everyone to episode number 11 of the stay attached podcast we are joined by the living legend the man who has done it all in call of duty and the man who actually taught everyone how to play competitive call of duty optic rambo ray welcome to the show hey thanks for having me man i'm excited to have you you've been through it all as a, a player a caster you were a game developer for a little bit sledgehammer right for six years more than a little wait bit. six <laughs> yeah i was there for five and a half years brother well, I didn't even like from, from from like mid late 2014 to uh, February of the first CDL year, which is like what two years ago. So yeah, I was like almost six years. Wow, wait, I did not know you were there. I feel like it flew by like very quickly. <laughs> I mean, life flies by, so yeah, <laughs> it's true. But now the coach of Optic Texas, and um, things are looking real good for this season for you guys. I feel like you guys have been frying recently. Um, uh, but we, we fried last year before the season started. I didn't mean much, so yeah, that's I'm true. Getting my hopes up. That's true. It's always you always got to show up to the real tournaments and do it. Oh, yeah. But I mean, you guys still had a pretty successful year last year. Like you didn't win an event, but you're always top two, top three. So that's still good. But I mean, of course, everyone wants to get first every single tournament. Of course, that's the goal. Yeah. But enough talking about your teams and your players that you coach now. Let's talk about you as a player. And just as a person, um, when you were younger, when did you first start getting into gaming and like Call of Duty, really? So video games, actually, my grandma got me into video games. She was a huge Pac-Man slash Mario on the NES, which is one of the earlier console. I was like four or five playing. Uh, I played a lot of sports games growing up. Um, the kind of skipping forward, I got a PS2 and I had the online adapter. And I played this game called Black Hawk Down, Delta Force, mm. which was the rive off the movie. But surprisingly, that game was very much like Call of Duty. It was almost like an early stage Call of Duty game. You could jump shoot, people would drop shot, you had <laughs> grenades. It was like very military-esque. Like it was basically COD before COD almost. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I was I was a huge fan of that game. I started playing Call of Duty in 2007. I played the COD 4 beta. I didn't really play the COD 2 or COD 3 that much. COD 4 is kind of when I got into it. And uh, yeah, I mean, I grinded, just played. I was always a competitive person in anything I do in life. Yeah, and when I found about game, I found about game battle was actually on on Black Hawk Down, which was like 2006. I'm actually, it's kind of cool. Actually, it's almost like a, a cool little badge to have. Like, if you go to my GB profile, it shows when I was when I joined the website, and it's like way before everyone else joined. <laughs> yeah, uh, you're OG. Cool. Yeah. Oh. So, um, so yeah, I, I played COD Four, and then uh, I mean, the, the history tells itself after that. So, did you join game battles when it was SOCOM battles? Because wasn't it that formally? No, I think I joined literally right after that. Okay. Change. Um, I think they changed it like. I think it was like November or, or December of the year. I joined in January. It was like probably a month or two before I joined. Yeah. And then you learned about like competitive gaming and you were just a competitive person, like you've said. So what really made you want to, did you ever always want to be a professional COD player or did you kind of just start playing these tournaments, meeting some people doing really well? And then like, what was your goal with this gaming at the time? Yeah. I mean, like making money or, or even just going to the craziness of like making a living playing video games was never a goal. I honestly, like at the time where we were doing it, there wasn't really much opportunity for it. Um, I think the Halo guys had like a chance to do it, but even then it was very few guys who were like actually making a decent living doing it. Um, and yeah, I found about tournaments. I was just like, I started playing for a little cash here and there, played game battles tournaments, like the, the kickoffs and all the, the, the grind was more about passion and just winning trophies and being at the top of the ladder at the time I started playing. Yeah. Uh, but where it really changed into a career for me is when actually, I actually got sick. Um, I had a digestive parasite in my stomach for like almost a year and a half. Oof. And all I could really do in my time is just, I would just play video games because it really took my mind off of it. And my parents were cool with it. So, and then while I was doing it, I started making money doing it. And it was like, oh, well, 
look, I can sustain doing something I really love. Not that I was going to make a ton of money doing it, but yeah. at the time it was enough to kind of go by and live by. And I was having fun doing it. So my parents were cool. And, and when it really kind of turned to careers, when my, me and my team won the Call of Duty, what was it the COD 4 national championship in 2009? Um, came back home with a check and I showed my dad and saw, saw the pictures. And he <laughs> saw me. They were super into it. They're like, this is awesome. Like, is there a chance for you to do more? I was like, hell yeah, there is. So yeah. that's kind of when it like took off for me as a, as a career. Wait, how uh, much was that check for back then? <laughs> it was uh, the tournament. Actually, this is a funny story. I like telling this one. Uh, <laughs> it was, the tournament first place prize was 8K for the team, which is 2K each. Yeah. And on top of that, I was Canadian, um, which at the time, which you still do if you don't have a visa, but gaming is considered gambling. So I, I lost 30% of my winnings Ooh. at the border for being Canadian. And then I lost another 8% to California state tax for winning. So I came home with a $1,200 check. And my flight to go to the event was like 800 bucks. Ah. So past, like, thank God, Ego, <laughs> the icon was like sponsored hotel room, but like past my personal expenses, taxis to get in from the airport, I basically broke even my first event winning. So yeah. things a lot different now. <laughs> yeah. Slightly, very slightly different. Um, but did you, who were your teammates and like your team you were playing on back then? Do any of them still play today? Yeah. So Big Timer is probably like the, mm. the main guy. I mean, most people know Big Timer is yeah, yeah, kind of. We played game battles tournaments together in like 2000, like early 2008. Um, so we kind of grew, we went into like the pro scene together, if you want to say. Yeah. I mean, and my other two teammates for that event were, uh, were Sharp and Dodgers. A lot of people don't know about Dodgers, but Dodgers was basically, I like saying he was a scump before the scump. Mm. Um, he was just like a young phenom. Just, he was 13 years old. 13? So, like, there wasn't an age diff, like the age, uh, the age barrier wasn't a thing when I first started competing. So I was 19. I was either like just turned 19 or, or late 18s when I had my first event. Big time was like a year before, or year younger than I am. Sharp was 15 and then Dodgers was 13. So I won my first event with a 13, 15 year old. Um, and yeah, it was crazy. It was, it was just a really interesting experience that turned into a career. Yeah. And that was with your team, like IXI, right? Yeah, it was extravagant icons. Extra, like, extravagant probably, icons. Probably the coolest logo. Yes, the, the snake. It had the, had the yellow snake. snake. Oh, oh my so god. Sick, I love I wish I could bring that one back. Yeah, no, that logo was so sick. And I think actually way back then I was on the phone with someone I met through Xbox that lived in like Massachusetts or something. And we were watching that event, that live stream together while being on the phone. And I was just like, I just remember watching that. Um it was just so cool back then. It was so cool to me seeing people like go to a in real life, play a tournament against each other. I'm like, wow, I want to do that in one day. That looks really fun. The um, line event just changed it so much, dude. Like, like I mean all of us, I mean, I'd say most of us grew up watching Halo, at least the guys yeah. that kind of played at that time. Like, we, we thrived to be Halo pros. Like, that was kind of it. Like, I, every time I went to the States, I would turn the USA channel on and be Walshy killing people on midship in Halo 2. And they were yeah. just, like, showcasing these cool events. So, like, when we actually went to the land, the first thing we learned at the event was that the finals were going to be playing on the Halo main stage, which was like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, it's, it's almost like the church of, like, gaming. Like, it was where it should happen. Um, yeah. So that was definitely like the coolest gaming experience that's I had at the start of my career. Back in those days, you're at the event. Uh, I'm sure the Call of Duty side wasn't too big. Like there's probably just Whoa. a few spectators, a couple chairs. Uh, I think there was probably more players there than staff, spectators and everything. And of course, the prizes were super low. But did you ever see it like way back then getting it to this point? Or when did you think that like this can be a sustainable career for you? Um... I don't think it happened early. I mean, like even the first few events we had, they were like invitational based on the online season that we had. So mm -hmm. like for COD 4 and Modern 2, 
we played like these things called PCLs, Pro Circuit Ladders, and we had like three of them uh, during the COD Forces unit. We had we had six of them technically on Modern Two because we played on Xbox in 360. So like we we showed up to the event and there was like literally I think two teams didn't show up, so it was like six teams for each of the first two events, or at least the first one. Maybe there was more than that the the second year. Um, but yeah, for me, I like. I honestly think Black Ops 2 is when I saw it, like, this is going to blow up. Like, yeah. this is something I really want to stick to. Like, not that I wasn't going to stick to it. Like, I was doing well for myself because I, I was I was doing YouTube videos and I was streaming on Twitch at a time where not a lot of people did it. Yeah. Um, so, like, I was kind of one of the top streamers on COD when I was streaming when Twitch first came around. It was Justin TV before that. Um, and they give us the ability to make money off ad revenue. Uh, and we, we always had, like, we grinded. So, like, I would turn my stream on every day for, like, six, seven hours playing like these 360 icon tournaments yeah. or game battles tournaments or just ladder matches. And I would typically get like a thousand or 2000 viewers at the time, Damn. which was a lot for what it was. Oh yes. Yeah. That's still good today. These, yeah. I was, I would, I would run ads for like every half hour and I would make, I'd say on average, I made like two, two and a half, three thousand $3,000 a month, depending on the month where the ad revenue was. Yeah. And like, that was plenty for me to live on. Like I wasn't really like my expenses weren't very high. I didn't really yeah. go out. I would just play video games. So yeah, it was, but yeah, Black Ops 2, I'd say like the, the grander scheme of Black Ops 2 champs is really when I saw this, like, yeah, this is like, this is something where the whole Call of Duty world, not just professional, like the community of YouTubers, uh, the organizations just came along as one. And just, we had such a big, like unified event that everyone just kind of got into and the viewership was incredible. So that's when I first saw like the potential that I think we had as a community to grow to what we are now today. Yeah, and at the uh, Black Ops 2 COD Champs, is that the first event where I know you got second there? And that was, was that the most money you ever made from an event up until oh, that 100%. point? Oh, yeah. I mean, it was 50K, 50K each for second for a weekend's work. So yeah. <laughs> it's pretty how, incredible for sure. How did like, it feel to, to make that money and then to even see like the first place team make a lot of money too? You're like, wait, this is actually like a, a real sustainable thing. Like, it must have changed yours and like everyone's outlook on it because you're like, wow, I could definitely do this now. So, I'll I'll be completely honest. As a player, I think until like my last year in Ghost, I think that's the first year where I actually started thinking about the money because that's a year where I was like, kind of start thinking about life in yeah. general. Like, where do I want to go? Like, am I trying to buy a house? Like, I moved to the states and live at the enemy house during that time, um, and I kind of saw like it's it's almost like I almost turned into an adult that year. But before that, I'll be completely honest, like money was never like this thing. I didn't really care for it. Yeah. Uh, as long as I had enough to go on with, to what I needed to do, which is live in an apartment, have my internet and have my gaming set up. I, the money was just kind of bonus. I would save it. I would, I wouldn't really do much with it. It was yeah. just kind of sitting there. Yeah. Um, and it, it, like, I think just the mentality of the community in general was more passion based than, than a little bit what we are seeing today. Like it obviously it's turned into like a very much business, I'm not saying that it wasn't back then, but like. I'd say like the the general mindset of players was more passion based. Like I love doing this, and I can do this sustaining myself. I just I'm gonna focus on my craft. Yeah. Now it seems like there's it's a lot more of a like I'm not gonna a hustle. Maybe is a big word, but players are definitely thriving to like make coin. Oh yeah, so, definitely. Because I mean back then like a lot of the time unless you were at the top of the top as a pro player you had to pay for your flight, you had to pay for your hotel, yeah. pay for your food throughout the whole weekend, your team pass. And uh, you had to hope your teammates even showed up to get there. So if <laughs> yeah, you weren't like different. the top of the top pro players, you weren't sponsored. You weren't getting uh, all this good treatment. Well, the good treatment for back then, which was good. It was it was hotel and flights. Yeah, like, I mean that's that's like 
I've never personally had a contract with monthly like money. Yeah. Like I, I, I think I stopped like the year before that really started. I think Ghost was mm-hmm. like the last year where players weren't doing that or or didn't start doing that. Yeah, I think but I just I got. Was, all right, go ahead. Go I ahead. mean, I was at the top of the top when I played for a couple of years, like for I'd say four or five years, and like I never got more than flights and hotel. So, yeah, kind of missed it, missed it by a little bit for sure. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think you definitely wait. Did you ever get a um? Were you streaming on MLG TV? So did you get like a deal with them no. for a little bit? Oh no, no, no. Okay. I think that I think that started. Might have started. I can't remember it. Maybe that was the thing while I was playing, but I never like. I don't think I ever took a deal. Like I was doing pretty well for myself on Twitch. I don't think, at least I never got an offer to switch. Yeah. So maybe that was right before, maybe right after I stopped. I don't know. Hard yeah. To and then looking back on your career, all the teammates and teams you have, do you have like a favorite team that you just love and look back on? You're like, wow, I miss those days with those guys. I think, I think it's hard not to look back on my modern three team with Skump, Merck and Big Timer. Um, I think in terms of like a team that gelled in and out of the game well, and we never really, like, I mean, we won a lot, obviously, so that probably helped the, the facilitate the argument side of it. But it's just a roster that I felt like we were all confident in each other, that there was never a moment where we doubted, and we just, we thrived as a team in and out of the game. Like, we were just fun people to be around, and we were just always vibing, and obviously winning helps. But yeah, uh, but I definitely, I'd say, like, that team, or uh, maybe the version with J-Cap, uh, Big Team Merc and J-Cap for, uh, I think that was uh, Modern 2 and... Uh, that was the Black Ops 2. That was before that. Modern 2. And what was the game? Black Ops 1. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I picked the team with Scum, too. I mean, J-Cap, he's, he's all right. Scum's way cooler, for sure. <laughs> for sure. I mean, dude, like, <laughs> like in terms of, like, like, I always thought myself as a player that's hard to deal with when I played. But, like, with the right people, the people that had the same mindset, like, it was so easy. Yeah. And I felt like, like, Jake, like, I would literally consider my, my teammate bucket, like, Scum, Big Team, Merc, J-Cap were, like, the four teammates that I'd never had issues with. Proof was in that bucket for a good amount too, but I had more issues on a personal level with proof on the how to play the game. But those Florida guys, like it was just seamless. Yeah. Like we all knew what it took to win and what to do to win, and we just do it. It was just such a selfless experience that that when we had arguments or discussions, they were easy to solve because we just all saw eye to eye on it. Yeah, and I think that's still so important to this day because I'm sure there's players and teams who really can't get past certain like arguments and discussions, and I could just break the team down, tear it apart. So the fact oh, yeah. that you guys were like that way back in the day um, is kind of insane. And it goes to show like why you guys were dominating in, um, well, Black Ops, Black Ops 1, MW3. And then in MW3, yeah, we, did. we did well. they didn't have uh, any NA lands, right? It was all like in we Europe. Had, we had the UMG Chicago land. At the oh, like, yeah. Like halfway through here. But yeah, no, for the most part, like like we were the mo- we were definitely the, the I would say the most playing team from NA. There's a few teams that went to the last event or two. I think Fizzer, I think Team Fierce, there's a Fizzer, Killa, John. Assassin? Ah, was it? Yeah, it's probably Assassin, actually. Yeah, he was still playing back then. So I think I think those four came to the last two EGL. Mm-hmm. And then the last EGL, Envy came, was like Nate Shot, Stainville. I can't remember the other two players. Um, I think Dito was there. But yeah, there, we had like four or five NA teams at the last event. But yeah, for the most part, we were like the main NA team playing. Um, yeah. But yeah. Yeah, that must have been crazy because like I, when I was trying to come up in MW3, I was like, there's no lands to even go to, so why am I even yeah. playing? And then Which, which kind of sucks because at the time, the first, the EGL5, the first event we went to, had like 100 teams show up to that event. It was like the biggest local you've ever seen in your entire life. Yeah. It, it was massive, and it was such a cool experience because like it was just basically only COD. It was in a recluse area where there's really nothing else to do. I mean, Blackpool 
no offense to Blackpool, but it's not the coolest <laughs> place in the world. Um, we had like the hotel, we had like two restaurants and, a, and like a 7-Eleven kind of thing down the street. And that's about it. Um, so like everyone was just hanging out at the venue talking. There is these like, they had like an old school, like video game area that people would just go on chill and play. Um, and there's still like videos on YouTube of that of us doing that stuff. It was just, it was a blast. It was really like, it felt like a community driven event, um, yeah. that went on from like Saturday morning at like 8am and finished Sunday night at like 2am. It was wild. So speaking of events, what would you say is like you look back on as your favorite event you've ever played at or just attended? I'd say there's two that come to mind. Um, I'd say Black Ops 2 Champs was probably like the coolest event I've been at because of what it, what it represented for our community and what it represented for like just COD Esports in general. It was such a like different event. We had 32 teams around the world come out and play in a competitive setting. I mean, obviously the, the Modern 3 event, uh, which was like... The XP? Like, yeah, XP was kind of yeah. like a contest that turned into a tournament and we, they played like a beta version of the game with all the stuff unlocked or which was like they played with like it was td i mean it was basically not really a competitive event they made it a competitive event um but black ops 2 is really to me like the big first one we had and and it was just crazy because like everyone again like a community just came together as one like t martin who was a huge youtuber back then um yeah i remember uh, tucker jericho was there like there i met so many like guys that were like super into it that i didn't think were um and that helped drive what we had going like they were making videos about it and super like it was it was just super cool in general. Um, and I'd say the favorite event I've played, at least my favorite experience playing-wise, was probably the Columbus Black Ops 1 event, the very first event back from being sick. Mm. A tournament that we won, making a crate, like a good loser bracket run was cool. And uh, Who was your, who was your I, roster for that? Was that the one with J-Cap? Yeah, that was J-Cap, Big okay. T. Yeah, we, uh, I remember we, we went into pool play. We lost to Apathy, one of Apathy's first ever event, they were they came from the. I mean, that was a time where we were like had a pro bracket, and then yeah, the amateur the amateur tournament could come out and play and get into the pool play for pros, and we lost to the amateur team, which was Apathy's team, um, which was super cool because I, I thought they were incredibly good players. It was like Apathy too quick, man. I forgot the names of the two other guys, but they were a really good team, um, and they kicked us. They made us start in a loser bracket, so we made a run. We played like Envy, then we played a bunch of our teams the next day. We basically played from like. I think it was 9 a.m. to like 6 p.m. on Sunday to win the tournament, to win the event, which was a dope experience. Yeah, you're just running on fumes at that point. Just straight adrenaline, oh, adrenaline every time you're up on that main yeah. stage. <laughs> it was sick, dude. <laughs> and um, I'm sure you could like break this down because you're a coach now. You were a, pr a player and you were always known as like a very smart player, if not the smartest player that taught everyone everything. What would you say is your strongest attribute? From a player standpoint? But, yeah, you can do player. Yeah, just player. Player standpoint. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, from a, just the playing stuff, like, I mean, I, I won't admit, I, people gave me a lot of shit for my skill. I obviously wasn't the best, but I don't think I was the worst. Um, I did get turned on a lot, which I was known for. Um, I had my moments. <laughs> but, but realistically, like, I think my awareness is really what made me the player I was um, and my ability to communicate to that to my teammates. Like, I would, I was almost a coach when I played, and I was almost like the in-game leader thing. Like, I definitely think I, I kind of thrived in that sense where, like in the game, I wouldn't necessarily focus on what I was doing at times. Then that to me, that's why I lost some of the fights that I probably shouldn't lose. Yeah, I was very much looking at my mini map and trying to direct traffic for my team so that we're all at the best position to do what needed to be done uh, for us to win games. Um, and in that sense, I think that's really what helped my teams that were on the same page where I didn't have players that would like argue with it, uh, just be so good because we just we never we were never really in bad situations. Like it would take another team to like we were the team that would win games getting outslayed by like five, ten, fifteen kills in a time where people thought killing was everything. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
and that's kind of the rotational stuff like just bumping teammates like always being in positions that are conducive to what's going on in the map was that really what i thrive for my team to be um and that's why like even in my and even in the bad moments of my career i was never like placing outside top four top five because it was just so hard for us to do that because yeah. we were just playing the game better than anyone else was yeah because i mean even if you're if you're in the advantageous spot and you're whiffing your shots, most of the time you're still going to hold that map yeah. control, get the points, whatever it may be. Um, so, I mean, that's just like great fundamentals and it just makes the game easy on you and your teammates because it's the most stressful thing when it's just a hectic free-for-all in like a hard point or something or back down like a domination or a CTF when everyone's just running around like, like, with a, like a chicken with their head cut off. It's uh, definitely, yes. it's definitely very, very stressful and it even happens today. So... There was uh, a lot of that back then. They're running around with a chicken head cut off. Like a lot of people like were just like I, I have crazy stories from my first <laughs> European event. I mean, we went to Europe. I remember Tommy, me and Tommy didn't get along very well back then. The European Tommy. Yeah. He would he was trash talking a lot. And we went to the first event there and they, he was like, We're gonna destroy you guys. You guys have no idea how to play the game. We were there and barely we dropped one map and it was a stalemate CTF at the end, which was like super close, but it was just it's incredible to like see the mindset of how the games changed to now where most people play it like properly quote unquote yeah um but yeah like back then it would take teams to kill us three or four times to get something done and we were just killing once and get whatever we needed to be done so yeah obviously it was uh definitely put us at an advantage compared yeah. to everyone else yeah very 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 efficient and um moving on from just your playing career how did you start working at sledgehammer did you approach them did they approach you how did that whole thing go down yeah, so um, Jay Perrier is definitely the person I have to thank for that. Uh, for, for those who've been around Competitive COD, Jay, Jay has been a Treyarch slash Activision guy for a long time who's more or less kind of like behind the scenes a grandfather of Competitive Call of Duty, a guy yeah. who's always been super passionate about it and has gotten us a lot of the features that we needed in the early stage to gain interests and a huge driving force behind like Codcaster and like like score streaks being used in competitive, like just... Just really all around really cool guy who's done yeah. a lot for us behind the scenes. I yeah, know we love Jay. Um, He's the best. So so two weeks after I got dropped, uh, well actually we got we got second at COD Champs and Ghosts, and I got dropped basically right after the event. Um, they only played with me at PAX because that uh, like it was so close to the event we couldn't really they couldn't replace me right away. I guess. Yeah. Um, so two weeks after that happened, I was kind of contemplating what I really wanted to do, um, and then Jay hit me up and was like, "Hey dude, like would you be interested in coming and working game design? Because you have." Like I like kind of what you said about the smart player thing. Like, like I know a lot about the game that most players are not most, but other players don't, and I see it in a different way. And I was obviously the oldest player, so I had more life experiences than your sixteen year old at the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I was probably like, and I actually had a discussion with uh, Michael Condry, Greg Reisdorf, and and Doctor Disrespect, who at the time worked at Sledgehammer Games during Black Ops Two Champ. Um, and they had discussions with me about the game and they're like, like, I didn't know at the time, but they were there talking to us because they were getting ready to make advanced warfare. Um, so they were, they were very much into the competitive aspect as well. Obviously with doctor being a huge competitive guy, yeah. um, they came to the event and started asking pros questions. And I had a huge discussion. It was almost like, it's, it's almost like a, an introduction and, a, an interview with them <laughs> that I had without really knowing it. Yeah. Um, so they probably hit up Jay and then Jay hit me up. And then I started talking to these guys about two, three weeks after I got dropped. And I was like, this could be, this sounds like a cool experience. So yeah, they, they kind of hit me up and I was like super into it. Um, at, at first it was meant to be kind of a, uh, more of a, uh, what's the word? Like a trial peer, like, a like just me coming in to help to ship advanced warfare. Like I was going to come in there for four months. Um, and that was going to help him ship out the game. And then we were kind of like going to talk after that, see if I like doing it. And then if I was also good at it, right? Because yeah. I could have been, 
like both sides, like I'd been good at it, but hated it and not want to do it further. So we didn't commit to anything. And they like, there was no commitment on either side. I was just kind of an intern almost for four months. Yeah. Uh, and I learned a lot about it. Like had so many discussions, with all of the developers and designers there. And it was super fun. I enjoyed all of it. So um, we stuck through it and I was there for five and a half years after that. I mean, you were there for five and a half years. So I think you liked it and you were really good at it. Um, so that's, yeah, that's really good to see that. I mean, I'm sure you helped us a lot more than we know, cause you never really know what's going on behind the scenes, but just knowing you're there, I'm sure you helped, uh, the players and the whole community a ton and you, they don't, no one even knows like how much you probably helped cause you can't really like oh, man, quantify tell. it. Exactly. <laughs> you can't really say it either. I mean, what, what I can say is like, like my, I had two goals there obviously is to make the best call of duty game possible. But like part of me, obviously being a competitive player, wanted to be someone on the inside that can help grow what we had. Yeah. Um, so like I didn't really have much of a chance to work on features for for advanced warfare, but I did help build whatever rank play we had at the time. Um, and then obviously the World War II was like the the only game that I was there fully. I was there from start to finish. So like rank yeah. play, World War II, Codcaster, like all those things, I was kind of there to help drive. And then uh, most of my technical side was like the weapon stuff. So like art people and and engineers would create weapon art, and I would put it in the game, and then I would tune it. Um, to try and make it realistic with like obviously gamers don't see it that way but like developers see it the game like you're trying to create something that's realistic and immersive as well as plays well yeah um so i did a lot of world war ii research on the weapons that were in the game and i would try and tune them to where they would make sense with what they actually were and then what they make sense with the game and then try and make everyone happy which is basically impossible <laughs> <laughs> no i always look back at the world war ii game like it's a literal documentary made into a video game because it was so accurate the maps were dark everything was on fire and destroyed um i think that game catches a lot of flack because the casual audience didn't really enjoy multiplayer as much but for competitive i think that game was amazing one of the best competitive games we ever had um hardpoint played really well search and destroy was incredible probably the second best search and destroy game we've had since Call of Duty Ghost, in my opinion. And of course, they had a ranked play, the best ranked play system ever. Hey, and, oh, by far. It's not even close. Like everyone knows just how good the ranked play system was. Like we've seen so many players come in from that were grinding that that are now in the pro league, like a BZ, Sib, yeah. Hydra, yeah. Mac, Nero. Like there's just so many people. And uh I personally think that's one of the biggest things that's missing in Call of Duty. Like if we just had a rank play system to, so people can not only discover competitive, but people's talent can be discovered through that rank play system and then potentially have a career. And it just builds, it just keeps on going because more players are going to find out they're going to want to go pro. The community is going to grow and it's just going to take us to a lot of good places. But I want to get your um, thoughts it on this. It into your next question. Yeah, it definitely segues. <laughs> what do you think uh, could improve the state of Call of Duty right now? If you can do a couple things, what would you say is the biggest things that need to be addressed? I mean, I think rank play is number one. Like, I, I, I don't see one game out there that's successful on the esport front that doesn't have rank play. Um, there's so many reasons why. Like, having a place where the general audience can compete in the same, like, the same game modes and, and settings that the pros do. The pros having something to play on that they can create content around. Yep. And that's fun, where they can play other players of similar skill level. Like, a good rank play... Like I'll just use World War II as a, as a basis because that's the one to help create. But the mindset was create something the casual audience is going to enjoy playing at the base because it's like they'll play against players their own skill level. So it's very much skill-based matchmaking. Yeah. So I'm never going to have an experience where I'm playing against players that are better than me unless I get better myself. Um, create an environment where the pros enjoy playing it because at the same level, the shorter, the, the less skilled community is going to play. They're going to play against each other a lot. So like if I, it's almost like playing eights 
unorganized eights quickly. Like I'd get on, I want to warm up, I'll play rank play, I'll probably get a BZ simp and all those other guys in it because yeah. I'm ranked the same they are. And then thirdly, which to me is the most important part that people seem to forget, is the fact that it gives aspiring players a chance to play against professional players. This is the most underrated aspect. Like, like you can see this with all the other communities. Like League of Legends, I'll use League of Legends as a basis one. Like most of the pros play League of Legends to keep up with their technical abilities. And you see so many players you never heard of when you watch their streams play against them because they're good enough on the technical front to be at that level. Yeah. And it gives those guys something to aspire from. And that that to me is just something that's it's not easy to make. Everyone thinks it's easy to make. It's not. I mean, at the core, it's kind of simple, but there's so many intricacies in game development that kind of go into something. Um, but definitely something rank plays for sure. Number one, I'd say to me personally, like, and this is not necessarily like a, a game thing, but improving the state of COD, like we need unity as a community. Um, yeah. There's so many different like opinions being thrown around negativity, like, like everyone needs to like stop and understand that none of this is helping us. Like we like we should be working to provide yes the best playing field for ourselves, but also the best playing field from a viewership standpoint. Like us playing the game and let's say we were to like take like the GA thing is as a whole, whole whole different discussion. Yeah. But let's say we were just stripped down the game to literally only playing with one gun, which we did in Black Ops One. It's probably like the most boring game to watch, just because of the stance that there's no. There's no ability to strategize. Everyone's using the same thing. It works for Halo. They're saying somebody have power weapons. They have different things to make it work. But for COD, to me, it's just not fun to watch. Yeah. And our goal, like we're a spectator sport. Everyone needs to understand that quickly. Like we are literally there to entertain. If yeah. we don't entertain, and we're being paid all this money, to bye bye money. <laughs> no sponsors, no money, no interest. We're dead. Um. So like this is something that I, I really think like we need to unify as a community a little more. And stop being so negative about things. Like I get, I get. It's not all sunshine and rainbows. We don't have the things that we feel we should have. I understand that. We had a we we did a lot better with a lot less back when I started playing. Yeah. And so to me, it's like that's probably the biggest second thing that we just need to like get around. And and it's hard because obviously a lot of the guys have been there for a long time and they want more, which is honestly respectable. Like I'm not saying you shouldn't want more, but us being negative and just going talking down about things is just not going to help. It. It's just, oh really, yeah. We're just foot. No, definitely. And I think one of the things that is also hurting it uh, for the players that have been playing for a long time is that they've been to these meetings, they've done these things. And then sometimes when stuff don't get changed, they just get discouraged where they're like, oh, they have nothing's going to ever change. Like it's always going to be like this. And so that just keeps going down the spiral of negativity. And that's actually going to get us nowhere, no matter how bad or good the game is. Um, you just want to see it improve for the future generations and uh, make it a, a career that people can do for 10, 20, 30 years from now. So it's definitely something we got to work hard to not be so so bitchy about everything because it is hard. Like there's a lot of messed up stuff in the game, even just right now. But if we're going to send that to the proper channels and have the right people hear it, and it might not get fixed instantly in the next couple of months, but who knows? It can make next game better. And then that game gets better. The game after that gets better. And it just makes for a better uh, community in the future. So I definitely think that's that's what's needed. Um, but you were there. I would, I would, oh, we go ahead. Add one more thing to that. Like, and this is kind of where everything else is coming out about. Like, this is kind of not secretive information, but it's just from my stance, my personal opinions from what happened when I worked at Sledge. Like the interest in making the competitive community great from the dev standpoint is not missing. Like everyone wants, like 
people want the best for us. Like they're not yeah. there. Like it, even though it may seem like it's not sometimes like they're, they want to help us. I think it's just from a priority level. Esports for COD isn't where it needs to be at. Um, it's like, there's like, obviously these game makers and, and Activision are all pushing for, for, we're still making a yearly game, which is not easy. Like a lot of people are like, Oh, they just reskin this game. It's not that hard, but <laughs> in reality, it's really not. dude. It's like, there's so much going on to make a game the way it is and to look the way it is and to play the way it does. It's just, it's not easy. So like, at the end of the day, like the one thing I will advocate and be on the side of from a community standpoint is that like, like we, I feel like we're put on the back foot a little bit. Like yeah. we are, we are, we are not the main interest with how the league is now and how we've invested all this, like all these teams invested these large amounts of money. Like I feel like we deserve now to be kind of somewhat of a priority for them for in, in the development cycle, which to me would help us get the things we need and to start the year the way we want to start it. Yeah. Um, Cause like, lastly, I would say like the worst thing about like, I mean, this is something people forget a lot. Like COD Champs used to be in April. Um, it, it was like, a, it we, was a marketing tool. <laughs> yeah, but but in reality, like like the interest of the game was still very high. Like we would play we'd play our first event in like December, a month after the game came out, and then everything to that point, the COD Champs was like we're playing our season then. Like yeah. now, and then we have like obviously the end of the year would kind of suck because like after that we're kind of like like there's still tournaments, but like we're looking forward to the next game, right? Because yeah. like COD Champs is. Over. But in reality, like now we start what, like three, four, like three and a half, four months after the game comes out, or three months, I'd say. Um, and then we play for the same amount of time after. It's just we push that amount back. Yeah. Um, so it's just to me, there's like something, dis there's some disconnect there that I wish could be a little different. Like, like I think getting interest from the casuals is something we need. Like yeah. COD still has the most amount of players that play the game or at least buy the game from year to year based. I don't know about play the game anymore as a thing. Um, but there's definitely a large potential audience out there that could be interested if we, if we do play our cards right with that. Yeah, no, definitely. I think, I think everyone agrees. Um, tournaments need to be sooner because it gives the players something to do, the pros, the challengers, the community, something to watch and look forward to, to build up those storylines. And then that gets the most casual fans because after they play call of duty for like a couple of weeks or even a month, if they don't like the game, they're out of there. And, yeah. uh, but if the game is fun and they learn about competitive that quick, they might just stick around and they might be a pro player or they might help support a team, which is going to help the league keep going and running. So, uh, I hope that next season, hopefully, hopefully, hopefully that the season will start very, very soon after the game release. Cause that even if like everything isn't perfect with the maps or there's some bugs and the issues it will be annoying, but I think it will be better for the whole community and the growth of it if it does start earlier. So that is something that we need. One of the many things we need. Um, and then after you got you got to get out of your developer bag now. And now you're going back into the coaching mindset because you were there for, at Sledgehammer for four, five and a half years, you said? Yeah, five and a half years, correct. Then how did you make your way back into the competitive Call of Duty community by becoming the coach of uh, Dallas Empire? So yeah, so this uh, about a year before I actually started. So I'd say this is like well, Modern Warfare was twenty twenty. Yes, twenty twenty, I believe. Yeah, so end of two thousand nineteen. So so I'd say like early two thousand nineteen is when Stro first reached out about potentially like he was like basically the league was kind of starting to be a thing. Yeah. With him behind the scenes. Um, and obviously I worked with Stro a good amount. I was on Envy for the last year and a half, two years of my career. Um. And he, he started reaching out to me about the potential of coming back and doing something. It wasn't necessarily going to be a coach. I think at the time, uh, the first thing he reached out about was being the GM. Um, and it's something that I was like, yeah, that, that could be cool. But at the time, I wasn't sure about. Um, and actually, the month before he hit me up was when I first started about my, at the time, fiance, uh, about potentially moving away from the Bay Area. Because it was just, 
like I never like the reason I left Sledge was never because of the actual job was just because the Bay Area is so expensive to live. Yeah. Uh, and the amount of money I was making was great for living anywhere else in the world, but in the Bay Area, I was basically just just scraping by. Yeah. Um, and it's just like we looked at it from a from a business standpoint, a living standpoint. Like one of our goals was to buy a house, and we just kind of noticed that it was never going to be feasible to do out there. Um, so like when he hit me up about it, it just like struck as like, yeah, this could be cool. We could go to Texas. Texas housing is really cool. There's no state tax. Like the potential for growth is so much bigger. Um, so, and obviously like we started going back and I started going back for what Hastro about it. Um, then I like started potentially saying like, it could be a coaching could be kind of cool. Like I, I still enjoy the game very much and I still think I have the mind for it. I've also at something I learned the most at Sledge that helped me into coaching is my ability to communicate things a little better. Yeah. Um, when I was a player, it was kind of hard to deal with. Um, but I learned a lot about the kind of corporate mindset and, and did a lot of like these team building experiences and, and just learn how to talk to people a lot better, uh, from a work environment standpoint. So, um, kind of describe that. And yeah, I just came into a role and, uh, then it, the only reason I started so late, I started like end of February was the visa situation. Cause obviously I'm still a Canadian. And I need a new work visa. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's one thing I definitely need to work on communication. I feel like um when you're a gamer like that you kind of gets you held back because in other jobs and stuff you have to be able to communicate without getting like mad or you have to be very respectful because if you're not respectful you're getting fired and then they're gonna let you go (laughs) so that's definitely something i need to work on for sure um but then you came back and you joined right before the la event in modern warfare right before like COVID hit right at the end of february literally yeah like i moved the day I moved to Dallas was the day COVID really became a thing, which yeah. is kind of crazy. Yeah, I was living but in yeah. New York at the time. It was insane to just experience it that. Wild. Yeah, it was yeah. it was crazy. But the league moves to online, and uh, we're lucky enough to even be able to still have a league and be playing online and competing in tournaments. And your team just kind of took off. Like, what would you say is like what was like the biggest factor of your team's success? I mean, I think it's the the mold that we had. Like, Crim Six and Clay were very much like coaches players when like yeah. i mean even while i was there but before i was there too um we had a like young young player like shotzi who's been a halo guy who also played call of Duty, obviously but we had like a lot like i think as a team fundamentally there's a lot of learning to do that was very much driven by clay and Krim. and then i came in to kind of put the cherry on top and really help drive communication between the players um and then obviously towards the end of the year i had much more of a say into like strategy because i learned the game like obviously yeah. i came in kind of dry I was still working at Sledgehammer. I was watching, but I wasn't really like watching to that point. Like being involved in the process is very different than just being outside and watching it. Um, so yeah, I think I think I really kind of helped communication wise at the start, and then came in towards the end of the year. The last few events, I said, helped a lot more strategically, um, figure things out, and and really make sure that we were prepared as a team to go into champs. And champs was always the goal. I mean, for me yeah. as a coach, I still always the goal. Like winning all these side yeah, events is great, yeah. but if you don't win the big one, to me, it's not as uh, not as not as a happy year i yeah. could go on i could have went on last year without winning any of the regular events if we went on champs i would have considered a successful year so yeah yeah i feel like of course everyone loves to win events but every no one really remembers the events you've won unless it's champs like when people look back I mean, on events the london home series in modern warfare <laughs> yeah like no one's thinking about that 10 years from now they're telling their family about the champs they won the rings they won the 125,000 dollars or the 200,000 dollars they won Cause like even with with like optic in AW, they won nine out of the like fifteen or fourteen events. But my team won champs that year, so everyone's just like, "Yeah, they won the yeah. ring. That's the most important. It, it doesn't matter what optic did." And they did the same thing in Black Ops Three. They were the 
one of the best teams, if not the best team all year, got the champs, got like seventh, eighth again. So it just goes to show how much people poor logo, what's it called? What were I looking for? How much importance they put into the champs event. And that's just the one that's always remembered for everyone. So I mean, it's the same thing in a professional sport. Like the championship yeah. is what people care about. Like you could win the regular season. You like the, the gold, they didn't golden state warriors when like something like 79 and 10 or something like that one year or something crazy where they just like obliterated the competition during the year and then lost in the lost in the finals to, to lebron and them I yeah think, i think I that was, was year i think that was when they got one three came back on i think someone on the stream will know yeah. but i think that was yeah. when they got almost reverse super reverse sweeped but it's that, like people talk about the records and whatnot but they still lost like, yeah i mean it's like it's, people aren't gonna like don't remember the record but they'll remember who won the championship at the end of the year so it's just yeah, definitely winning champs was a crazy, crazy way to come back into it. Um, finally getting a ring because I never got a ring uh, playing. Cause you I were close. Twice. Yeah, you were super close. close. I, I sniffed it. Um, arguably should have won it the first year, but things just didn't go our way. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, it was just a, it's, it, was, it was a really, really cool feeling, something to share. That my, not a regret. My only, the only downfall to it is that we played online for it. It would have been so much cooler to be there in person, live that moment with fans and whatnot. Um, yeah, definitely something that I wish we had done, but I mean, we won anyway, so it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, the it would be great to experience, but what was it like that two hundred thousand dollars or one hundred fifty thousand dollars you won? That's very real. That is very very real, even if it's online or land. Um, but yeah, it had to have been an amazing feeling, and then like just going into your first year back, you win that, so you're probably just feeling really good. You're just like, I just came back coaching, already a world champion cool. coach, and um, going into the cold war season when it went back to like 4v4 what was like your guys's game plan as a team um to like with the roster change that happened right after you won it sucked i mean like it was literally the day after we won yeah. that they announced the whole 4v4 thing it was like i mean give us a break dude like let us let us appreciate the moment a little bit <laughs> yeah and it's like there's not one glaring player that was like a loose end on our team like everyone contributed in their own way and it, like like some teams may have had one guy who just didn't do so well during the year and then got carried by the rest of the team. But I felt like every single one of our players contributed in a way that was like conducive to what created the championship winning yeah. team. So yeah, it was awful. I mean, ultimately we like, I I had my opinion on who should have been replaced, um, but ultimately the players as a team, like I'd say most mostly the players had kind of their decision to make on who they felt. Um, and granted, like the situation was kind of where like we had three young players at Hugh, Shotzi, and Illy who were kind of like a trio in a way where it's yeah. just like they're kind of the future of the team. So like we looked at it as like, well, like Claire, Claire and Claire were going to be ones and the, the young players just kind of made the decision at that point. Um, and yeah, I mean, Krim and Clay, I, I, I honestly think those two belong together. Like they're, they're, the experience we had last year during Cold War without having Clay and having Krim alone, like to me, they, they complement each other so well. And I feel like that's one of the reasons why I think New York's going to be successful this year. I think Krim and Clay are just like, like Clay's like the only alpha to Krim in the community, in my opinion. Like, and it's just from a, from a team standpoint, I think those two just work very well together and able yeah. to kind of, they're almost like a bouncing board where if they're alone, I think they're just a little more, a little too controllative. Um, and I think, again, I think they're gonna be great this year together. So yeah. 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 I feel like that with that situation it was really weird because it was right, right after champs and there was no real right or wrong decision. Like, yeah. You could have replaced, you could have got rid of like pretty much any player and everyone would have been like, yeah, I mean, all the players on the team are just, they're all around the same skill level. So it was just one of those situations where you just kind of have to do it and then hope for the best because everyone was so smart and talented on that team. It's like, 
there's no bad there's no bad players, so it's not like you could just easily replace someone. So I can only imagine we how read, stressful that was. No matter who we dropped. Yeah, exactly. Like, so yeah, it, it was awful. It was not fun. Yeah. And then you guys went through the Cold War season. Um, didn't get the win, but you had a lot of second place, third place finishes, which is still really well. Um, how? What was like? What do you think went wrong looking back on that season to like where you didn't achieve that championship? Yeah, I mean, I don't really want to go into it too much. Yeah. Uh, I think I think a lot of it was just kind of like like disagreements on the team front, like kind of what we talked about earlier about being on the same page. Yeah. Um, we had a lot, I mean, we had a, so many, we had a lot of issues during the early stage of the year. Like we had to make a roster change that didn't help. Uh, we learned very quickly that <clears throat> as a team, like we, we had, we had players in mind we wanted to go after. And a lot of those, like the option we ended up getting was Reese, which was a great option, but it just came in so late in the year that we had a like building to where we wanted to get to as a team just came in like later stages. And then we did well, our first event at Reese, but then we started clashing a lot uh, towards the end of the year, which made it very difficult to be where we want to be towards the end of the year. And yeah. it's like, I think we just were never really that good of a search team last year. Um, strategically, I think we were, we were okay, but just in game decision wise, like the game was so weird last year, search wise. It, it was, was, it was almost like playing TDM because we didn't have like smokes and snipers. Like yeah. there wasn't really strategy to build around. It was kind of like, Hey, let's take these routes and try and bum rush this. And if it works, it works. Uh, so yeah, it was, it was, it was odd. It was, let's just put it this way. It was an odd year. My first year was definitely better than my second year uh, from a coaching standpoint. Yeah. Um, it was just a lot easier um, and things went a lot smoother, but I think you need the good and the bad. I mean, I learned a lot from last year. I'll tell you that right away. Yeah. Um, and, and with the roster this year, I think we, we have found a really good place to be team wise. And I think just uh, motivational mentally, uh, I think companionship, like friendship levels, I, I think are just like on the next level this year. And I'm really excited to go on the, and do what we got to do for Optic Texas. <laughs> I even got the, the hoodie. I literally just got hey, it an hour ago. Hey, love <laughs> that. No way. I was actually about to ask you uh, how the, like the whole transition went down um, from Dallas to Optic Texas. Like when did you know? And then when did like it get officially, when did you know it was like officially happening? Yeah, so I heard the like I mean I heard from from my my bosses like Stro that it was potentially going to be a thing. I'd say two months before the end of the year last year. Um, obviously didn't share that with any of the players. Yeah, of course. Uh, and then I think literally right as the season was ending, we learned that it was going to be a, like I learned that it was actually going to be a thing. Basically, like right before, right after champs, I can't remember specifically. Um, and then the roster thing was going to be like we we went. There was a lot of discussions about what the roster should be like, um, and then it ended up being what it is now. And there's a lot of early discussions with the whole team to make sure everyone was like, like there was a lot of ground rules set to not go through the same issues that we had this year early on. Yeah. I mean, granted we're still early in the year. We haven't even started competing yet. Uh, but I think there's a, a lot of understanding. The players are, I'd say are extremely motivated to do what we got to do to win. And that to me, that's as a coach is the most fun thing to do because I show up to my job every day and there's a process we're going through and everyone's into it. Um, yeah. And I felt like last year that was something we were lacking. So it's definitely a, a kind of an eye-opening experience that's for the better. Um, and I'm super excited. I mean, personally, obviously, most of the good moments in my career came when I was on Optic. So for me, it's super exciting to be back with the green wall and yeah. and have all the fans behind me and, and come back to a place where I started. So it's, it's yeah, it's exciting. And then I was going to ask, what are you most excited for with this team? But you you answered that and then beat on the green wall again. But that must be just like a really cool feeling from being on that team for what was like over like a decade ago, like when you were competing in like MW3 with Optic. Yeah, it was like Black Ops or no, it wasn't. It was ended in Black Ops 2. So it was like 
Black Ops One and Modern Three. So yeah, it was like 2012 and 2013. So yeah, yeah. literally 10 years ago. Holy shit! That is insane. We're getting old, villain. We're getting we're, old. I just turned 25. You're telling me? Oh, uh, you're no, you're not old yet. You're young as hell. I'm but 25, it's like that's like dog years I'm, in call and pro Call of Duty though. No, dude, I stopped competing. I was 25, but now it's. <laughs> Because people thought I was old and I had no hands anymore. Now players are playing like Crim and Claire, like what, 28, 29, almost 30? <laughs> That's true. No, nah, yeah. Nah, I mean, you're good, brother. Hopefully. Good. Hopefully. Hopefully. I don't want to lose the reaction time too quick. Too quick. You won't. That, that's, <laughs> dude, that's, a, that's the one thing to me that, like, like I I personally stopped competing. I, I could have honestly been on another team after I stopped playing and I got dropped for the last time. But I think it's more so the motivational aspect and yeah. wanting to do what you're doing every day. Yeah. It's more difficult as you get older. Like you don't really lose the skill, the mindset, like all that. Like to me, if anything, you get better with time. Um, and like pro athletes typically peak in their like late twenties, early thirties. So it's like we're all here talking about reaction time when pro athletes reach their peak in their later stages. Like, yeah. like I don't know. Like it's 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 not necessarily a thing, and it shouldn't have been a thing back then. But it was a thing because I was the only old guy, and I wasn't that great. So <laughs> <laughs> they just but, uh, they just put that out there. But yeah, it's just like I think from a team standpoint, like like just a you were saying like my favorite thing about the team this year, it's not just about being an authentic. I think it's just more so like I'm going to enjoy my job winning or losing every day this year. I feel like, yeah, because I feel like we have four players that are on the same page mentally that are four players that want to achieve the same goals and four players that are just willing to do what it takes to win. And when we lose, like it's, it's going to happen. Like everything, everyone loses matches. It's going to happen. We're not going to go the whole year without losing a match. Oh yeah. We're actually going to learn from it. We're going to be discussing it. Yeah. We're going we're not going to look at it as a negative experience, obviously not being the positive experience, but we're going to treat it as that is what it is and learn from it. And that's the biggest thing. Like I, this is kind of cliche, but I had my thing when I competed was uh, winning is winning is teaching. Losing is learning. Yeah. I mean, it's, and it I, holds true to this day. It, to this day and anything in life bro it's like yeah. if you don't learn from your bad experiences you're never gonna have better good experiences yeah um, yeah yeah i mean honestly you guys are looking pretty good this year i like your whole roster you're all great people i actually love that team um but yeah start a few arguments over there don't let it go too smoothly tell someone they're they're kill a little bit too much okay. and just start start a couple <laughs> arguments for sure over there make it make it a little bit easy on the competition uh nah but i think that's it for me so far so I just want to say thank you very much for joining us. And would you be down to answer some questions from chat? Of course. If they have any. Chat up, you'll have to ask it for me. Okay, I got you. Chat, uh, we're here with the living legend. So if you want to ask him a question, now is going to be the time. Because Rambo Waste Time is very valuable. It's very expensive. It ain't cheap. It ain't cheap to get him on this show either. So if you want to ask a question, now is the time. Oh, man. That's pretty good. Well, those are 57 minutes since the stream started, so... When was your when was your first event? What was your first ever first event? First ever event was a Black Ops Two Anaheim. I just had my dad drop me off there, and I uh, I, I found my team the day before the event started. It was oh, Kalani, yeah. Fnatic, and Nihil. No, I remember those guys. Yeah, the, the, Kalani and Fnatic. There were some OGs. Yeah. Yeah, OGs are sure. Yeah, but they they gave me an opportunity because I was just at home playing League of Legends on my little laptop. Um, oh, and I was still I was still playing Black Ops 2 and Call of Duty a lot, but I just couldn't really like get into competitive. I didn't have a team. It was hard to find a team. And then they hit me up. I was like, "Yo, I'm down." And uh, I went there, played pretty well. How'd you guys do? How'd you guys we do? got we got 29th through 32nd. So not like hey, terrible well. for like finding them the day before with no practice. So who did you lose to? Who was the who was the team to kick you out? Of? Oh man, it was actually Miyagi Slasher, Khalifa, <laughs> and awesome. Strife. 
awesome. Uh, it was. Yeah, I heard a lot. Of, I heard a lot about that back then. They were. They would always talk so much shit. But then we oh, eventually yeah. teamed together in Ghost and made our That's little awesome. West Coast squad and terrorized everyone in the online tournaments with our quad West host. Yeah, yeah I remember that. <laughs> All right, for the Cod Father, how do you criticize or discipline players who need it? Uh, it cha- it's it varies with different people. And this is one thing that I'll be completely honest about that I learned from the last two years is that there needs to be a ground set rule set in stone as the year starts. Oh, let's just, I'll literally say it out loud. Like, for example, I was very worried about finding players last year for being late or for not doing the things they needed to do to be successful or just not doing their jobs properly. Like, like finding is something that people see so much so negatively. But if you set in stone at the start of the season, that if you do this, you are getting fine. I don't care what you do. This is this is a thing. Then those players have a better, an easier time understanding and respect because there's a yeah. ground like there's a there's there's a standard set at the start here, which is one of the things I did. Like as soon as we had a roster set and as soon as we knew the optic thing, we had a call where I literally had Hex and Stro in there to back me up. We discussed all the things that are going to happen this year if you don't do your job properly. So like just something to like set a ground rule on, and that to me is like I'm not saying finding is the best way to handle things. But in general, like there needs to be something the player is worried about. Yeah. If there's a time where he doesn't feel compelled to get on or do things, like this is your job. Like people yeah. need to understand that. Um, and was there a party question? I forgot what the other one was. Um, I think wait, what was it? Let me scroll back up. Forget it. Wait, wrong mouse. He said or discipline players who need it. So I guess it was just kind of kind of what you said. Yeah, like if someone, aspect, sure, yeah. yeah. But like in general, like I, I think. If you have like, especially these days, I feel like nobody in the league should ever be a hard person to work with on that front. Like, no. dude, this is yeah. your job. You're paid. Like all these guys are paid very well yes. to do what they do. There is no reason you shouldn't <laughs> get out of the bed an hour or two before your scrim starts, warming up half an hour before and just being there with good vibes to try and do your job the way you do it. Yeah. Um, like there's zero chance. So just, yeah. Something I learned from last year that isn't the case, but we're, we're, we changed that for the better this year. And then next one from Chicken Two Cent. He asked, "How is Scump different compared or to different today compared to back in the day? If he is different at all?" That is a good question. Um, honestly, not as different as I thought. I thought he's going to be like like when we have discussions at team, he's more of a listener than a talker. Like he'll say his point if he has something to say, but he very rarely kind of starts a conversation about something. Um, and that's kind of the way he was when we competed together. Um, obviously I was kind of the main driving point talking wise. So he was very much open ears. Yeah. Um, and that's just something that hasn't really changed for him. I feel like, like if anything, I think he just has more experience as a, as a person and, and obviously playing side and he understands more like, like he's understanding how to treat his body. Like he's thinking of things he eats, thinking of how much sleeps he gets. Like <laughs> yeah. He his routine. Like, like he understands that like, you're not invincible anymore. Cause he's starting to feel those like he's what 27 now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's definitely, I'd say to, if not, like I'd say he's basically the same dude, like he's still <laughs> super fun over his, his sense of humor is more or less the same, like just a fun guy to be around. And, uh, yeah, definitely a vet, yeah. a vet that's a vet, that, the uh, oldest high level. Yeah, yeah. The oldest SMG in the league right yeah, now, literally yeah. followed up by me, the second oldest, you know, like, we getting up there. <laughs> um, and then another question from Avic Viper, he said, what's the number one thing you watch when you're a coach in practice? Is it the, mostly the minimap spawns, player routes, etc.? Yeah, it's, I'd say in general, the minimap tells me what I need to do. Like I'll watch player POV sometime, but my focus is very much on minimap. Um, I want my team and I'm sure Dylan can attest to this with his coaching staff, but like our job as coaches is very much to make sure our team is understanding what the game's like. 
like we have a bird's yeah. eye view of what's going on we can see all the maps so like when players do certain things the game reacts in certain ways and our job is to figure out the best routes and best decisions these players can make to play the game and make it the easiest possible game they can play um and it's something that i to me like the most important thing and this is not sharing secrets but like the most important thing as a coach is that your team has the ability to win games when they're not playing the best yeah and the only way to do that is to understand the game fully and make the right this everyone understands what the right decision and wrong decision is in every scenario and stance of the game so imagine like call of duty is a book each game has pages in that book some of those pages and chapters kind of transfer over to a new game like bumping a player off a hill to push forward or, yeah. or taking certain routes because your teammates like cross cross angles and stuff like that but at the core the new game because of the new maps and how the game works changes every year yeah. so our job as coaches is to write that book with our players and have discussions with our players to help them understand what things are going on and help them understand and help them uh do the things the best they can based on what the game's given them yeah that was a really very in-depth answer if i was a coach i'd be like bro why are you rotating over there stop stop holding a pregame sprint go 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 like i'd be what are you doing you idiot so yeah ray is definitely i feel like i like listening to you talk i don't know why i've always liked listening to you talk but i feel like it's just very I think just I'm learning too much because I'm gonna be trash talking your ass this year, Dylan. No, no, no. You would never. You never. Dude, you never say mean dude. things. I'll have. Bro, I'll... I actually. Like, this is a fun story. At champs last year, um, I'm sure most people remember this. The the raid hardpoint that we came back on Toronto to bring into the game. Yeah. Five. Like I came out on stage and I yelled, bro. I was like, man, I lost. I lost it. I was like, I went from like sad to thinking we lost to just like straight up like i'm gonna go on stage and yell my ass off <laughs> and when i came back i kind of yelled not towards the toronto guys but i yelled loud enough to where they can hear me say they can't close the series and mostly because of what you guys did to them the previous yeah. time um and i was trying to get him back in that same mindset but like i'm all for trash talk bro i love trash talking yeah. i think as it's long good as it's not it's, personal like yeah. it's game related or like like to the moment it's cool but like don't go out for someone's like mom for example like people used to do back in the day yeah like who gives a damn what the mom's doing but like if you're talking trash about the game or your teabag you're shooting bodies like to me that's all cool stuff that's all fair game yeah um so expect some of that from for me this year dylan just letting you know i love that no i don't think i don't think people should get mad over teabagging or shooting bodies that's just part of the game of oh, course but once it gets like game, personal bro. once it gets personal of yes then it's too far yeah that's but bad. No. everyone needs that healthy trash talk because there is healthy and good trash talk it yeah. builds storylines, makes it fun to watch, makes more people more incentivized. So that is definitely, it's definitely a really good thing. So I'm going to be, it's a cool viewer experience and it's also a mental edge you can have on your yeah, opponent. Definitely. So I'm going to be lighting Ender's body up all, all season. Do it. All You'll season. You'll love it. You'll love it. Only for winning though. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so As it should be. <laughs> last question. Jay Watt asked, what's Rambo's handicap in golf? I'm uh here. Let me pull it up. I'll pull it up and show you. I personally okay. don't know what that means. So you're going to have to so explain like I'll, on five. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a quick lowdown. So in golf, there's a par, which most of the time is 72. So when you play a golf course, actually, I can't pull it up. I have to update the yeah, But when you play a golf course, there's like a mix between par threes, par fours, and par fives. And the total amount of strokes to shoot even par is 72, which is not something a lot of players can obtain. It's yeah. pretty hard to do. Um, so your hand, and then there's like a, the, the course has a rating. So like, Let's say you play a golf course that's super easy, that's wide open and isn't very difficult. The course rating might be 69. So even though the par is 72, your your handicap is going to be based off the court the course rating. Okay. So let's say I shoot 69, then my handicap will be zero. If I shot 60, if I shot 70, then my handicap would be one. Like you can kind of increment like that. Okay. Um, so my handicap is 
is a the eight rounds, my eight best rounds of my last 20 rounds I played, my score compared to the course rating of the course I played on. Does that okay. make sense? Yeah, yeah. So pretty so much like, so, the course has a rating. You go there, do your thing, whatever you get. You kind of have to like gauge off the course's rating. Correct. So kinda. like I'll put my score, like let's say like the last round I played, I shot 76 and the course rating was like 73. So like my course, the number of handicap I got for that round was 2.6. Hmm. And then then the average of my last, the, the average of my best eight rounds for my last 20 rounds total is going to give me my handicap index. Yeah. So like right now my handicap, I don't know if you can see this, my handicap index is 0. 0.7. Yeah. So like this is basically saying like I average 0.7 less points than the course rating every time I go out and play. Mm. Or my eight like my, my better rounds, I guess. And this um, is so this is pretty good. This is like way above average. And sorry, I got one more question. This is for me. This is just for me, because like I've seen so many people get in the golf that are in the gaming community. What's uh you're the best one, right? The best golf player? From I'd say the COD community. From the yeah. game a COD community? Pro, okay. Pro, pro gaming community, yeah. Pro gaming community. And, I mean, Wait, who, is there like anyone the, like the golf, the golf the golf gaming club thing that we have like i'm probably i have the lowest handicap there yeah um, shibby's pretty close you remember shibby yeah of course of course i love shibby's shibby. like a three or a four uh nate shot's like a 10 and then i'd say there's like a few other guys like you know nothing jordan gilbert the cs pro oh yeah yeah yeah. i've heard of him like, i've heard of him zero. he's like i think he's like a two or a three or a four as well oh, okay uh, so there's like there's there's a couple of guys that can play I'd say most players are not that great. They're like around the 15, 20 mark, which yeah. is kind of where, no, but that's, that's the average golfer though. Like the average, yeah. I think the average handicap for golfers is like 16, um, which is shooting like 90, which is kind of just kind of your typical guy. So, yeah. yeah. And what's like the most beautiful course you've ever played on Oof. or the um, most famous? I, I don't know. I have, I've never played Pebble Beach, but I've played the courses around it. So Spanish Bay and, and Spyglass Hill are two courses in Monterey um, that are basically along the ocean. Uh, which is extremely beautiful and, and really cool to play. Yeah. Um, have you seen the movie uh, American Pie, The Wedding? No, I don't think so. Uh, I don't see that. That's tragic. <laughs> At least it, for those in the chat who have seen it, I played the golf course. It's called Half Moon Bay. They have a they have the Ritz-Carlton there, a hotel literally on the ocean side, and they have two golf courses. And one of the scenes in that movie is was filmed on that golf course, and I played there. So. Mm. Yeah, I only have like two experiences with golf. I used to go to the driving range with my dad a lot, which is really, really fun to just try and – hit the golf balls as far as they could go. And then yeah. the other time my mom had tickets to a golf tournament that was close in California. That was like a really famous course. And I think Tiger Woods was playing, but I was Holy like, Pines. I don't know what it was called, but I was like eight or nine and I didn't like, I'm eight or nine years old. I didn't care about golfing. So I was just okay. didn't, I, she kept asking that we should go, we should go, we should go. I was like, no, I don't want to go. And I kept complaining and yeah, she got really mad at me for it. I'm sure she could tell me what the tournament was, but apparently it was some big tournament that was Where out was there. It? What city was it in? I don't remember what city. Was it SoCal, NorCal? SoCal, SoCal. SoCal? Was it in LA or was it Probably in like, somewhere like, in the LA like, area, I assume. Okay. If it was LA, maybe Riviera? I yeah. Know. I don't know. I just know my yeah, mom was really mad at me because I didn't want to go because I was like eight or nine. I didn't, I didn't care about golf. <laughs> yeah. I mean, golf Golf is like, I mean, for me personally, it's just my sport, the sport that gets yeah. me outside. And, and it's a game you can never perfect. Like, it's just so hard. Yeah. Like you're never really good at golf. You're just a little bit better than other people are, but you're never really good at the game unless you're just the best players in the world, which are very few. So yeah, it's just a really cool sport. Yeah. And I've seen so many like famous athletes and just um, wealthy people in general start playing golf at older days. I know Canelo plays a lot on his free yeah. time when he's not boxing. Um, oh, yeah. And then uh, even Steph Curry plays a lot, so yeah, he's good. He's good too. He's like a scratch golfer. Scratch is when when I say scratch golfer, someone who's like around the zero mark mm. of handicap. And he's yeah, he's 
he actually played a few corn fairy events which are professional like the the stepping stones to the pga tour yeah um, he played he played two or three of them i think so yeah he's a really good player my mom said the tournament was lake sherwood in oh, thousand sherwood. oaks okay. yeah lake yeah. sherwood that's nice that's a nice course yeah I w- she had tickets but me being a young kid i was complaining i didn't want to go and then she got mad <laughs> <laughs> that's funny we'll have to get out there uh at some point for sure and start start learning the ropes but uh thank you very much for joining us i appreciated it i think the whole chat and everyone that's watching and listening loved it because i had a great time um once again just thank you so so much for taking the time out of your day of course anytime brother all right y'all it's been real good luck this year year. don't don't wait what you're coming for me all right don't give the don't give the boys too much help you know start a couple arguments here and there make it tough on them for sure (laughs) <laughs> All right. Thank you, Ray. I appreciate you.